So these two scriptures, the 23rd Psalm and this story from the book of Acts, not yet, please. Thank you. <laughs> they, um, they remind me of uh, my reflections about children. They remind me of childhood. You see, the 23rd Psalm is my favorite scripture, and I learned it when I was in the third grade. That summer, I attended three vacation Bible schools. Three, and I was happy to do that. So there was one in my hometown that I went to, and then we went on our vacation to visit my grandma and grandpa Halstead, and so in Ortonville, Michigan, I attended Vacation Bible School, and then after we spent a week with them, we traveled to Luzerne, Michigan, where my grandma and grandpa Cripps lived, and I went to Vacation Bible School there at the Emma Lowry Memorial Church of Christ. And all three Bible schools taught Psalm 23. All three. I memorized it that year. I memorized it. it and it's my favorite scripture. And then this story from Acts <clears throat> about Peter and John healing the lame man. I learned, not yet, thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say now, okay? Thanks. <laughs> so uh, this story from Acts, uh, I learned this story when I was teaching Sunday school to first graders. 1991, uh, this story was the, the Bible story uh, for the first grade, and I was one of three teachers at First United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas, and we had 20 kids every Sunday, at least. So our motto was, divide and conquer. So we, we, we separated them into, into small groups and I got to do the music because everybody else wanted to do the art and tell the stories and there was the music and am I a musician? No. Do I like music? Yes. And, and I learned this song that you saw that we sang uh, during our children's time. And I just love this image of, of this man leaping and praising God uh, because he was healed. And, and I like the song too. So, so <clears throat> these scriptures, you know, I'm thinking kids today. And so thinking about children in the context of these scriptures was very helpful to me because I want to talk this morning about transformation. And I think that there is no better example in our own lives of people who are transformed than children whom we watch grow up. So I've had uh, the opportunity to uh, parent two boys who are now young adults uh, with their own families. And uh, I have 
four nieces and six nephews, and all of them uh, are grown now. There's, there's one, the youngest is, is a, a junior this year in college. She has one more year and then she'll graduate. So these, you know, I've watched these children. You know, they were cuddly babies. They were active toddlers. They were curious uh, elementary school kids, rebellious teens. <laughs> and, and now they are mature adults who know how to take responsibility for themselves. You know, I remember my kids. I remember my two boys, especially that youngest one. <laughs> A squirrely kid who did everything he could to get out of doing chores. Now is the parent of two babies. And oh my gosh, my heart just breaks when I, when I see what, what a good, good father he is. And there's a transformation that has occurred. And... It's the grace of God. It is the grace of God. The disciples whom Jesus called along the shore of the Sea of Galilee are more examples of this transformation that God works in our lives. <clears throat> in today's story, Peter and John are bold healers and teachers. They perform miracles just like Jesus. And they are capable of standing before the elites of Jerusalem after they've been arrested and, and proclaim that this Jesus is the one who healed, this Jesus whom you, you elites of Jerusalem, Peter said to them, whom you crucified. I mean, he's laying it out there for him. Peter is at the center of this story. He's a leader now. But just a few weeks earlier, he was denying Christ. And before that, he was an uneducated fisherman. Peter has been transformed. And his story can be our story too. God wants each one of us to be transformed. The Greek word used in this story about transformation is uh, the important Greek word in this story is sodso. All right, now we're going to look at this slide. Great, thank you. So, um, this word, so-so, is uh, usually translated to save. But it's also translated as to heal, to rescue, to restore, to deliver safely. It just depends on the context. So, for example, in verse 9... Um, Peter says, if we're questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who has been sick and are asked how this man has been healed 
And the word he used in Greek is so-so. But in verse 12, he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Saved, in this context, is also the Greek word sozo. So in a speech like Peter's here, in which he tells the rulers, thanks, that's good, in which he tells the rulers of Jerusalem that the beggar was healed by the power of Jesus and that it's only Jesus in whom there is salvation, most of us automatically think Peter's talking about heaven and hell. We've been taught that when the New Testament uses the Greek word, so-so, that it's referring to whether somebody is going to be saved by Jesus and go to heaven. Well, that's one understanding of how the word so-so is used. But other scholars, scholars who are working to reveal a more ancient and authentic meaning of Christian language, argue that in the Bible, that Greek word, sozo, is much more complex than whether you're going to heaven or hell. Marcus Borg, one of my teachers, writes in Speaking Christian, the root meaning of so-so, or being saved, is to enter into a new kind of life. He says this is a life covenanted with God that is about being delivered from an old, disabling life into a new and transformed life. It's exactly the kind of life that Peter and the other disciples have experienced, and it is the kind of life that that beggar who is healed is experiencing. Now, I ask the question that has been asked of me dozens and dozens of times. Is this kind of transformation only available to those who believe in Jesus? I don't think so. But you know what? I don't know. This is what I do know. I know that those who are companions of Christ experience transformation. We are being made new every day. Sometimes the transformations happen quickly, such as this beggar who is able to walk for the first time in his life. Recently, I witnessed a transformation that occurred in a matter of days. Some of you may have witnessed this transformation also. Two weeks ago, members of our church, Jay and Don Elder, 
walked into worship at the 1115 service. They were emotionally devastated. You could see the fear and the grief in their faces and their eyes. You could see it in their body language. Jay had late that week received the news that he has stage four colon cancer. Within the week, Jay was admitted to MD Anderson and began his chemo treatments. He and Dawn set up a Facebook page called Support for Jay Elder. You can join that page. Just look for Jay Elder in Facebook. <clears throat> and the first photo was a picture of him lying on a hospital gurney with all of these drugs in bags flowing through an IV attached to his arm. And he is grinning from ear to ear. Earlier, in an earlier post that day, Jay wrote, 20 minutes away from our first strike. Chemo, here we come. Those brave and courageous words exemplify the transformation that occurred in Jay within a matter of days. Would his attitude have changed so dramatically without God in his life? I don't know. But I know that as a companion of Christ, Jay is surrounded by a host of people who love him, who are supporting him, who are encouraging him and Dawn, and that he knows without a doubt that he is not alone. That's transformational knowledge. That's the knowledge that makes a difference in your life. Most transformations occur much more slowly. There are a few that we can see and that are very dramatic, but most not so much. <laughs> but we can see the fruit of being a companion of Christ. We know that transformation has occurred because of the fruit. I could name dozens of saints in this congregation. Some of you are sitting here right now. And you are living fruit. Your transformation has occurred. And you are producing fruit because you are companions of Christ, and you've been on that journey a long time. So those of you who, you know, are not sure that you're being transformed, you look. You look at the saints in this congregation, and you will know that that is your future. You are producing fruit, and it is visible. There's one saint I know well that I just, you know, want to mention because I love her. 
I don't know how long Margaret has been a companion of Christ, but I suspect it is longer than she cares to admit. <clears throat> she is of an age at which she could retire and lead a leisurely life if that's what she wanted to do. But no, that's not what she wants to do. She continues to make a difference in the lives of young adults as a University of Texas professor. She's always on the go. I know Margaret well because she is a part of our Wednesday evening Bible study. And on more than one occasion, she has come in bringing her books and her satchel with her supper. And she will report that she just got off the plane an hour ago. But there she is with her supper, ready to be a participant in our group. And because she's in this group, we've all had an opportunity to learn from her. You know, it's not only her stamina and intelligence that impresses me, but she has shared with us her practice of prayer and communion with God. She's told us about the challenges she's experienced in her life and how by taking those challenges to God in prayer, she's been able to overcome every one of them. Clearly, Margaret has experienced so-so. And she is not through yet. When I first began studying and reflecting on the scriptures for today, I saw a call to be bold. A call to be bold in offering what we as the body of Christ have to give others. The rulers and elders of Jerusalem were amazed that Peter and John, these uneducated fishermen, were standing before them and speaking boldly and without fear. If you read the story a little bit further, the elders say to Peter and John, don't you ever preach in this Jesus' name again. And Peter says, you know, if you think it's right for us to obey you rather than God, well, that's on you. But we, we are going to obey God. That's bold. That's fearless. That's courageous. And we can be bold and fearless and courageous also in offering what we have. We have a community. We have a fellowship. We have examples of people being transformed by the power of Christ's love. This is worthy of offering to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers.
I'm convinced that when we commit to the body of Christ, when we show up and participate in this life-giving ministry, we are transformed. Christ is here, and that is what Christ does. If we're lucky, we learn this as children. We learn that the Lord is our shepherd, that he will lead us to green pastures and still waters. And when we walk through the valleys, he will comfort us and protect us. When the poet wrote that he was expecting to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, he was not thinking of heaven or hell. He was thinking of what makes for a good life here and now. And it is being a companion of Christ and joining with all of his companions to journey together. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.